Welcome to the Data Chief. The Data Chief is a podcast for data and analytics leaders to share their personal stories and insights on technology, culture, and leadership. This is part two of our interview with Michelle Jacobs, the president and co-founder of marketing measurement agency, Alight Analytics. In part one, Michelle shared tips for keeping up with the rapid pace of change in the industry and explained in what ways data can transform marketing departments for the better. In this episode, Michelle and Cindy discuss how to bring more women into analytics, why messy data tends to be directionally accurate, and what Michelle predicts for the future of analytics. The Data Chief is presented by our friends at ThoughtSpot. ThoughtSpot makes it easy for you to use search and AI to analyze your company's data lightning fast. Business people at companies like Walmart, Hulu, and Medtronic use ThoughtSpot to quickly uncover new insights and turn them into action. And you can too. Learn more at ThoughtSpot.com. So now you talk about modeling and forecasting, and this is hard when we can't use the past anymore or entirely as a predictor of the future because things have been upended. So if if you were, we're doing more streaming, we're doing more online buying, how do you pivot to that in a marketing analytics world? What are your new leading indicators or data sources for that? Right. So we, you know, you, you do, you are in a situation with some some companies, and it's not as dramatic of shifts as you as we might expect. At least what we've seen with our clients so far, the shifts there has been some shifts in where they're putting their money, but it's not as dramatic as as I think we might expect. Um, so we're not having to completely throw out um, old data. So we're able to look more um, whether sometimes you know we can look at seasonalities or holidays and kind of model off of okay when we have different times. Um, when we're in or out of market or, or changing up how we do things. Can we look at what those models tell us and apply it to, to this time, you know, until we get enough data to have a model that we feel confident in? Right. Good. Thank you. Can we go back to personalization as it relates to marketing analytics? How do you respect somebody's privacy while also personalizing? With, with our marketing analytics that we're doing, you know, we don't look at the individual very often. So they are opted into cookies, uh, which keeps them anonymous. If they opt into cookies, obviously, if they're not, then, then they're not being tracked. But for the most part, they, in order for us to be able to have that data, they would have had to opt it in. And they're, the data is kept at an anonymous level and we can't see, you know, who a particular person is. So there, you know, there's situations, of course, where, you know, people could, put in their information in a lead form and, you know, be tied back to their activity um, in that way using particular cookies. So if, if it's those kind of cases where we are able to capture, again, individual information, um, if that's being captured anywhere, um, it's typically stripped out before any analysis is done. Because like I said earlier, you know, doing uh, analysis on an individual... You know, Knowing who the person is is not usually very helpful or relevant when you're trying to make buying decisions or, or planning decisions. You're really looking at how did 
this person behave as a part of a larger group of people? Um, how, what was this person's customer journey? And what is this other person's customer journey? And how do they overlay? And what's the same, what's different? But I don't need to know their name or anything, you know, right. those kind of things about them. Yeah, thank you. And talk, can you tell me a little bit about how you see the role of AI impacting data professionals in the marketing space? You know, really, we see it just in the the modeling and forecasting kind of arena. We haven't seen too much of it come through from a, a media or, or marketing standpoint. You know, you we've we've heard of some new players that are out there that are starting to do more from a buying standpoint with AI. That I think will be really interesting to figure out. You know how that can be incorporated into their overall buy and how that can then translate into you know the you know what if they're meeting their their strategic goals or not. Um, but really, you know, our AI, you know, I, I guess we've probably, you know, in some level been doing AI for a long time. I think it's really hard to to do much analytics or, or data work um, without it at some level. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that, you know, that term, it's kind of the new exciting term, you know, right now that, that people are using, you know, for a while it was all about big data, you know, and now it's all about AI. And I think from a day-to-day marketers world, they're like, okay, yeah, well, you know what, I have, that's great. I'm going to listen and, and make sure I, I understand that that's going on. But I'm focused on, you know, my campaigns, my strategy and, and what I need to do next. Yeah, that makes sense. One of my friends has a saying, big data can also be small data. Big data is just data, but it's, it's a hot, it's still a hot term. <laughs> There's hot topics. Absolutely. You know, it's, it, big data has been around for a long, data has been around for a long time, you know, it's, now it's just big data. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you started, you've had a long career um, in both marketing and data. And when you think about that journey, did, did you ever have a moment in your career and now in a, in a data company where you thought, I, I just can't do this or it's not possible? And if you did, how did you move forward? I don't know that I've had many of those moments. I tend to be a pretty uh, blue sky thinker, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a glasses half full person and Me too. T- tend to work my way through things. You know, I think when things haven't, um, you know, gone my way is actually have been blessings in disguise because that's when um, things like starting the company happened, right? Like I had left uh, my career at H&R Block and was just consulting. And I was just taking a break from the corporate world. And that's when um, my friend asked me to help out with their analytics at their agency. And that friend became our first client. And here we are, you know, 12 years later. Um, so I think that sometimes it's, you know, when you run into challenges or when you are in a situation where you feel like, I just can't do this anymore. Or maybe you just can't. I mean, I, could, I couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I'm done. I, I don't want to do this job anymore. I'm suck the soul out of me. I'm I'm done. You know, and I and I stopped and I just wanted to take the summer off and I eventually got forced into working part-time at my friend's request and I'm so happy I did because now it's turned into, you know, this amazing organization with um all these really amazing smart people um that work with us every day. So I think, you know, yeah, sometimes you just have to stop and 
see what happens next. So, yeah, so take a break, but also a friend. Um, so ca- carrying that, ha- having a friend, carrying the challenge with others. No like. doubt. No doubt. I mean, and, and that goes for my business partner as well. I mean, there's there's no way I could have been successful in this area without him. I mean, we're, we're completely opposite in about every way. And I think that makes a perfect partnership when it comes to trying to run a business. Wow. So you're opposite in every way. And this would lead me to one of my favorite topics about diversity, or really it's diversity of thought. But it, it, we don't always know what people are thinking. And so, uh, unfortunately, gender becomes an easy thing. We have low diversity, few women in tech. Now, you're coming from the marketing side, too, but really, it's tech and data. How have you handled this? Has it, have you even thought about it? Absolutely. I think about it all the time. Um, it's something that we try to hire as many women as we can possibly find for any of our tech jobs. And the honest truth is there's just not enough out there. Well, it worries me that you even say you try to hire as many women. Like I say, can we just not even look? Like I, I, I or, or some of the female engineers or, or data professionals will say to me, I'm worried I was only hired because I'm a woman. Oh, I get what you're saying. No, I just mean that, you know, we we try to uh, network and do other things to encourage women, you know, to know who we are and to apply. Okay. Right. Good. That's that's all I meant. Yeah. We don't we don't necessarily like we don't go like, oh well, she's a woman, we have to hire her regard regardless of her credentials. That's not it at all. But we try to um, look for, you know, networking opportunities or other ways where we can be like, hey, women coders, you know, we're women developers, we're out here. Um, you know, please, please take a look at us. But there's just there's not there's not as many women out there in technology. Uh, fields, at least not in Kansas City. I think we're at a disadvantage where we are. Um, it's probably better in other other areas. But I think overall, you know, if we get, um, you know, 50 applications for a job, there's maybe a handful that are, that are women. Only a handful. Yeah. So if we look in the data and analytics industry, it's a, it's a little better. It's like 25% female. But in in tech in general, it's less than that and flat to declining in the US. It's actually getting better in India, for example. It's getting better. So I can't say specifically Kansas City. Um, wh- why do you think this is a problem? Is it an attractiveness of the job? Is it a pipeline problem? How, how do we fix it? I think it's a pipeline problem. I think in general, women don't typically take their education in coding classes or development classes. I don't think that that's what they're doing. I think that's, it's maybe, it's, you know, again, hopefully that's changing, but I just think that that is a pipeline issue. I mean, I've, you know, had conversations with a lot of younger women who were, you know, going into college and, you know, trying to figure out what they want to do with their life. And I tell them to learn how to code. And they're, they don't want to, they're like, ah, I don't want to learn. how I want to, I want to do this amazing fun thing or this really beautiful thing or this other, you know, really exciting thing. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great. But if you learn how to code, you're going to make a lot of money. And then you can do this other amazing fun thing on the side. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, I try to, I try to encourage it. I think that it's probably just one of 
I'm, I'm sure that's, I think it's a bigger question than I could answer. I think it's an age old question of, you know, women tend to go more into the arts and, um, you know, marketing kind of, kind of careers and men tend to go um, more into the math and science kind of uh, tracks. And I think until we're able to really redirect that at a young level, we're going to continue to have this challenge. Yeah. And so you recommend to young professionals learn how to code and there's, uh, differences of opinion as we go to codeless environments in the and even in the data space. Um, so, would you still say uh, do the coding, or is it just enough coding? And if so, which language or languages would you suggest? I would definitely say. I mean, we are still coding. You know, that, and that's the kind of uh, knowledge, at least in my opinion, that can take you regardless of industry. I mean, the people who come to work for us who are developers, they don't necessarily have marketing analytics backgrounds, nor do they need them. They're developers. So, and that's really, I think, that's where we have the, to your point, that's where we have the hardest time finding diversity when it comes to people who are doing analysis or that type of thing. There's there's more diversity um, available there. Uh, we code in Python, but I, I don't know that it matters, honestly. Like, I think if you know any coding language, you are head and shoulders above most everybody else. So, so that's so always it's more the thinking. It's more this the thinking, the critical thinking, the logic, and then yeah, maybe but it's it, SQL, maybe it's R, maybe it's Python, whatever, whatever it is. And again, that's not, that's not for everybody either. I mean, not everybody can sit at a screen all day and you know and write code or look. Like, I totally understand that. I mean, I am the kind of person that could do that, but I get that that's not for most people or a lot of people at least. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. So what advice would you give to a new data professional? Are there particular books or TED Talks or resources that are your go-to resources? If I were starting over, if I was giving advice, um, I would be as hands-on as possible. I would build my own website. I would put analytics on it. I would buy some ads. I would spend a few dollars on, on, on Google, buy some ads. I would set up or, you know, make sure my organ, organic search is optimized. I would use all of the free training that's out there from all of those sources because there is so much. There is so much, almost overwhelming. So almost like, overwhelming. Ud- Udacity or Coursera, like right or, or anything. Yeah. Or it's just the free courses, the free stuff from Google, the free things from Google Analytics, the free things from Google AdWords. I mean, there's so much free training just from them, just on those tools. And while this that's really marketing specific, and I think a lot of people are like, well, I don't need to understand how Google Analytics works to analyze it, or I don't need to understand how Google AdWords works to analyze, or Google Ads now, um, to analyze it. I, I disagree. Like, I think the more that you know about those systems, and even if you want to be a developer, or even if you want to uh, work with integrations, or even if you want to... Um, you know, work on the database, whatever the aspect is, the more you understand about that underlying data and the strategy behind marketing, the much better you're going to be at at your job and the lot easier it's going to be. I mean, I think the challenge is that if if you look at data outside of the marketing industry, it's very clean and normalized and comes from traditional sources. It's not. No, okay. It's or not. not. Like, okay. oh my God, it's not. <laughs> People would like it to be, but it's not. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fair then. So but in marketing data, marketing data is just messy and awful and the, 
the naming conventions are terrible from one source to another. Nothing matches. Um, there's a lot of back-end work that has to be done to clean it up. And I think the more that people can understand how those systems and tools work and what people are trying to accomplish with things like Google Analytics, then the better off they're going to be. So that's my advice is to do it hands-on as much as you can. So hands-on, like how have we not met before today, Michelle? Because <laughs> I have built a website. I bu- I've built computers. Um, and some people have said to me, no, 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 you just need to be strategic. You don't need to be doing that stuff. But I think it's given me a good basis. So. Oh, see? Yes. Yeah. So don't you agree that it helps you? Yes. Yes. But so validation 20 years after the fact. <laughs> <laughs> it does help me understand what's going on though. But I want to come back to this. So, so you thought, or so marketing data is messy and you were thinking other data is cleaner, internal data should be cleaner. But the reality is that's messy too. Some people will say, well, our data is too messy to be relied on. What do you think? Is it is any data still better than nothing? Or... When is the data clean enough? If it's consistently messy, then it's usually directionally accurate. Directionally accurate. I like that. So you can you can still make decisions on it that are going to be the right decision to make because it's consistently messy. As long as it's consistently messy, yeah. You know, although I would encourage cleaning up your data as much as possible, which sounds really easy to do, but in reality can be very difficult if you don't have the right you know, tools and systems in place to help you clean it. But yeah, if so it's directionally accurate, because I, mean, I mean, the reality is no data is going to be 100% perfect. Right. So, but as long as you're consistent about how you're gathering it, what you're doing with it, then you can, you know, use that to make some accurate assumptions about the data and, and decisions. So think about if the data quality is enough to be directionally accurate. Yep. I, I like that. This was a debate <laughs> as we were talking about um, NBA advertising. It was actually the general manager of Daryl Morey that was having a debate with another another coach about data quality as well. Oh. But every <laughs> everyone debates that. So yes. so good, good. And if if you picture then where the industry is going, if you look two to three years out, what would you expect to see? What technologies or innovations are you paying attention to? I, I would imagine cloud has been game changing. Yeah, I, we've I mean we've been using the cloud since we started, and I think it's that's just growing and getting faster and better and easier. And I think the thing that we continue to see is that a lot of the systems and tools that marketers are using to advertise in are starting to understand that it's really important for people to be able to get data out of those systems. Um, That maybe seems like, well, of course, that seems like something that should have happened years ago. But it's not. A lot of... Uh, tools out there that people use for their advertising um, are, have not made it easy to get the data extracted from their system so that it can be um, put with other campaign data, right? You don't want to, I just don't want to look at stuff in a silo. I want to see how my millions of dollars that I spent on this campaign performed, not just how this one particular um, tactic did. And so I, we are seeing more and more. Um, cooperation from a lot of these companies, um, these advertising sources, that they are getting better about making that data 
um, more easy to get out, which is great. Um, we're seeing that as a trend because I think that's just showing that you know people are hungry for this data. People are hungry to make better decisions. You know, we're going to see more and more. I think consolidation in this space, you know, we're seeing it already with people like Salesforce, you know, going and buying Tableau and buying Datarama and buying up all of these um, visualization tools or, um, you know, other marketing analytics tools. And I think that's going to continue where, you know, Salesforce is really trying to compete with Google, which is trying to compete with Microsoft in this big stack of um, not just marketing, marketing and sales, you know, technology. Um, and I don't think that's going to, that's not going to go away um, anytime soon. So I think people are going to feel like they have to pledge an allegiance to a particular stack in order to get what they want. I think that that's okay, but also dangerous for some. I think not everybody can get what they want out of a pre-baked stack. Um, some people are, are more sophisticated or have specialized needs. So they're going to have to, you know, so these stacks are also going to have to think about how they can continue to cooperate with maybe other tools or systems or, or platforms um, so that the people who are using their stacks can get the, the insights that they need. Yeah, and maybe so the pledge of allegiance uh, is worrisome, or or I would th I would say then, well, what about the agility? Can can smaller? So given that <laughs> I also work for a smaller um, analytics tech company, is it about a stack or is it about agility? And to me, the pledge of allegiance should be to the customer, not to the tech company. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. I would hope. So if you if you think about um, some of the the media, um, so so you talked about how a lot of your customers are in media, and you think about five G and data at the edge. How big an impact do you think this will have on data and in marketing analytics specifically? I think it's just going to require people to just move at an even faster pace, right? It's just everything just gets faster and faster. People want the they want the insights more quickly. They want to be able to react, not just monthly or weekly, but daily, um, intraday, right? It's, it's like almost like day trading at this point. You know, people are, are having, the data is coming to them so fast that they're having to react so fast. And in order to do that, they have to have a solid platform in place in order to manage the data or else they're never going to be able to make the decisions that they need to make on it. You can't be manually downloading data out of Facebook every two minutes. It's not possible, right? It's yeah. just not a thing. Um, and so I think until people have, you know, reliable systems and reliable processes to make sure that the data is clean and accurate and reliable, um, that, you know, that's, that's, it's going to push them to that more and more as the data and the tool, you know, the phones, everything gets faster and people are reacting in a way that they're constantly, <laughs> like on my phone, you know, they're, buying habits are always changing. I mean, who knows, right? Like I've heard that the idea of like the Google Glass is coming back and, you know, we're going to see a rebirth of something like that where you know, I'm sure if that's the case, gosh, gosh, with COVID, it'll probably be like a whole face mask full of it. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. I hadn't even envisioned that. There you go. <laughs> so now I, now, I, now, have I, now I have a new uh, vision for this evening. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so, Michelle, it's been such a delight to talk to you. If I think about some of the key takeaways from this. Um, all right. The Data Death March is going to be a new tagline. Avoid the Data Death March for sure. Right. But, avoid it. Um, <laughs> and then best practices. Think about the question you want to answer first. And part of it is about the systems and processes. And that um, I guess the third takeaway be, would be that data quality is good enough when it's directionally accurate. Is there anything else you'd add to that as a key advice or takeaway? Those are those are great takeaways. I would just encourage everybody to make sure that you know they have um, their data in a place that's usable and accessible first. Like that's that's a great first step is getting all of your data in one place. Then it kind of you then you can release the hounds on it, right? Then you can have any department using it or any teams using it. But until it's centralized and updated on a, a regular basis, you're gonna struggle. Well and and so I I just have to clarify, maybe push back on that, is that marketing data all in one place. Because if I think about a total company, are you picturing then HR and transactional data and oh, um, no. manufacturing? I, I was picturing marketing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, no let's start. Let's start. I was okay. just in marketing. Yes. That would be a lot. That would be amazing. Uh, yeah. I think the industry is deciding it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. This is why federation is probably a better approach. Yes. Um, I yes. think. Okay, good. Then we agree. <laughs> then we agree. Just the marketer. Yeah, the marketing data is typically not in one place. It's typically no, still it's siloed not. everywhere. So if, you, if you're if you a marketer and you're looking to make marketing decisions, get your marketing... The first step, get your marketing data in one place so that you can look at it holistically um, and understand how your entire ecosystem is performing, um, not just on a siloed basis. Got it. Great. Thank you. And Michelle, we also like to talk about gratitude, maybe even more so now. And and of course, we're grateful for health, family and friends. But if you think beyond that answer, what are you grateful for? You know, I have learned I am really grateful for the ability to travel. I have really been... Um, it's been tough not being able to get on an airplane and go anywhere the last few months. I typically always have a trip planned, usually it's to the beach. And, and uh, I had to cancel multiple trips throughout this and multiple people who are supposed to come visit haven't been able to. And not having that, um, for me personally, that's my, that's my release, right? That's my stress release. Is, yeah. to, is to, is get to, to fly. Is to oh, fly. Oh my God, but it's a stressful process. No, I don't think so. I love <laughs> it. Um, yeah, so I think it's, it's in my genes, I guess, but I, I love to travel. And so that's, that's what I'm, that's, I've learned how grateful I am for that because it's been ripped away from me yeah. um, completely. Yeah. So what's the first beach you're going to when you're flying again? Oh, Mexico. Mexico. Okay. Um, Pacific or Gulf Coast? Which which coast? <laughs> oh, they're all so amazing. Let's let's say Pacific, you know. Okay. Well, I'm I'm a beach girl. Any beach, anywhere. Uh, I'm hoping to get to the Jersey Shore um, 
that'll be the first beach I go nice. to. Nice. Yeah, I'll take <laughs> I'll take any at this point. You know, you can send me anywhere. So I, I'm definitely a beach person as well. Great. Michelle, thank you so much for joining the Data Chief. Thank you for having me. It's been great chatting. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Data Chief. To learn more about today's guest, recommend a future guest, or listen to more of the show, head over to thedatachief.com. If you have questions for Cindy or comments about the episode, give her a shout on Twitter at BI Scorecard. The Data Chief is brought to you by our friends at ThoughtSpot. Searching through your company's data for insights doesn't have to be complicated. ThoughtSpot makes it easy. With ThoughtSpot, anyone in your organization can easily answer their own data questions, find facts, and make better, faster decisions. Learn more at ThoughtSpot.com. The Data Chief is presented by our friends at ThoughtSpot, the modern analytics cloud company. ThoughtSpot makes it easy for anyone to analyze your company's data with search and AI. Business people at companies like Verizon, CVS, Amazon, Afterpay, OpenTable, and T-Mobile use ThoughtSpot to quickly uncover new insights and turn them into action. And you can learn more at ThoughtSpot.com.